Heavenly Father, we come to your word now and we ask that as this word is sown, that it might be heard, that it might be accepted, that it might bear fruit. And we ask that you, Holy Spirit, will be at work in our hearts, preparing and tilling the soil, that the seed might land in good soil. And Lord Jesus, we turn to you to reveal to us the truth of these words as you have taught them to your disciples. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder how many of you have not seen or used an old analog radio? The ones with knobs. Who hasn't seen or used one of those before? You know what I'm talking about? The old radios where you have to turn the dials to get the right frequency. Do you, know, do, do you know what I'm talking about? Right? So for those of you who are um, uncultured and uneducated, uh, what you do is you have dials, not buttons and no screens, but a dial. And uh, depending on what you're looking for, you, you want to tune in to a particular radio station, you need to tune in to the right frequency. And those of you who have used an old analog radio, you know that if you don't get it quite right, what do you hear? (laughs) You hear static. So if you're not tuned in to the right frequency, if you don't get it right, even if you get it slightly off, you get parts of it, but you don't get a clear sound. And uh, radio heads will tell you that is the best way to listen to radio. It's better than digital radio because you get the clearest signal that you can. As we've gone through Mark's gospel, we have seen that the gospel is about Jesus. The Messiah, God's chosen king, who will bring God's kingdom and all that is good. The promise of hope, the promise of life, the promise of restoration salvation and rescue. But if it's such good news, why is it, and we've seen this already, even in these first few chapters, that people don't hear it? Why is there opposition? Why is there misunderstanding? Why are there people who don't want to accept Jesus? Why is it that they don't want to tune in to the gospel and what Jesus offers them? Well, that's the question our passage hopefully will answer. And as we begin, it begins with a, what is becoming a familiar sin. Jesus begins to teach. And what happens? A crowd gathers around him, so much so that, well, he's being pushed out to sea. He's standing in a boat to teach. And in what we've read, he teaches them with parables. Parables are a way of teaching of comparison. If you want to teach a point, we'll compare it with something else. Uh, it's, not, it, it's kind of like analogy. Not quite like allegory, if you're familiar with these terms. Uh, allegory, you kind of have one thing and you match it with another. But parables are kind of a bit more flexible. Uh, you're, you're comparing things uh, in a broader way. And that's what Jesus does. And uh, Jesus takes it to a whole new level, uh, unlike the teachers of his day. 
But really, there's one big question. In all these parables that we've just read, there's one big question. What is the kingdom of God like? But maybe you've heard this and you're hung up on one thing that Jesus says. The disciples gather around him in verse 10 and they ask him about the parables and he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding, otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Before we can even get to the parables, you might be getting hung up on, well, why does Jesus say this? Why does Jesus teach in parables if his purpose, it seems in these words, that people might see but not perceive, that they might hear but not understand, because if they do, maybe they might turn and be forgiven. It almost sounds as as if though Jesus is trying to keep this a secret. But we have to dig deeper here, because Jesus is quoting from Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And these are the words of God spoken to Isaiah that he would go and deliver to the Israelites. And what we have to understand is that this particular time of Isaiah, God had been pursuing the Israelites for generations. This is, Isaiah is one of the last prophets before the exile. And God has been pursuing them time and time again, right from Egypt, the Exodus, all the way through. Through the Exodus, through Joshua, through the judges, through the kings. Generation after generation, God is pursuing them. But they continue to reject Him. They continue to turn their back on Him. And so God says to them, this is your last chance. I am trying to give you life. I think of it like teachers who are reminding students over and over again, don't leave your assignments to the last minute. Don't cram for your exams at the last minute. You won't get the best result. Or the trainers who are trying to push the athlete, you've got a marathon coming up, don't just start training two weeks ahead. 42 Ks in two weeks is not a good idea. Go and ask anyone who's done a half marathon or a marathon. God here speaks to his people. Here is the gospel. Here is life. Will you hear it before it's too late? And so the parables here are not Jesus trying to keep a secret. Instead, he is trying to reveal to them the secret of the kingdom. And he says in verse 9, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. So what do these parables mean? These parables are a comparison with life. And Jesus is trying to make a point. What, are they, what do they mean? And in the parable of the sower, I don't like that title, by the way. It's not about the sower, it's about the soil. So I'm going to call it the parable of the soil. Jesus shows us how the gospel works in the lives of people. And it speaks of two things, human responsibility, but also the work of God. And Jesus challenges his disciples after hearing it. Don't you understand this parable? 
how then will you understand any parable? So we want to take some time to try and understand these parables. And maybe numerous times. Maybe you've heard people say, the soul is just lazy. He's just throwing seed wherever. He doesn't care. Well, that's not the point of the parable. Don't get hung up on that detail. The focus here is on the different kinds of soil. And there's four different kinds of soil. And depending on the soil, the result is different. Unlike most of the parables, though, Jesus explains it for us. He explains us explains to us what these mean. The seed is the word, the gospel, the gospel about Jesus and the kingdom of God. The soil represents four different kinds of people who hear the word. The first are people who hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. Why? Because Satan comes and takes away the word. The second are people who hear the gospel, but it doesn't take root in their heart. And so when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The third are people who hear the word, but what does it say there? But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word. And the fourth are people who hear the word, who accept it, and they produce a crop. They bear fruit, a varying amount, some 30, some 60 some a hundred times what was sown. So what do we learn from this? What is Jesus trying to tell us? I've said before that the gospel isn't good news for everyone. We often say gospel and good news together, but if you think about it, the gospel isn't good news for everyone because not everyone accepts it. But we also have to understand something else. In that first case, The reason the gospel goes in one ear and out the other is because Satan is there, stealing it away. See, the gospel is not a one-sided message. It's an offensive one, not just to people, but to Satan. And he will make every effort to steal away the seeds of the gospel from the lives of people. And so this is why we pray. That people who hear the gospel will be protected from Satan's grasp. Secondly, the promise, the gospel doesn't promise a good or perfect life. The gospel doesn't promise that we will be free from trouble or persecution. And we have to be careful that when we present the gospel to people, that we don't promise them something the gospel doesn't. Because when they hear that kind of gospel and suddenly trouble and persecution comes, they fall away. But this is also why it's important that we are discipled. To be reminded that the gospel doesn't promise us these things. Instead, it promises us Jesus. Third, the human heart hasn't changed in 2,000 years, let alone from the beginning of time. We are told that people still battle with the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things. And it chokes the gospel. It makes it unfruitful. And the worries of this life today are the same as they were then. Kids, family, friends, relationship, study, work, food, a home, money, and whatever else you might throw in. 
The cares of this world have not changed. The worries of this world have not changed. The deceitfulness of wealth still remains. The desire for other things still remain. They might look different, but they're still there. The deceitfulness of wealth, health, success, prosperity, selfishness, self-accomplishment, self-sufficiency. The list goes on. Nothing changed. And those things are thorns that will choke the gospel. People will hear them. They will hear the gospel. But the growth will be choked by these worries and these deceits. And again, we need to be discipled and be in fellowship so that we might speak to those thorns. But as much as we have those warnings, we also have an encouragement. Because when the gospel is heard and when it is accepted, it takes root, it produces a crop, it bears fruit. And that's an encouragement. That when you accept the gospel, it will bear fruit. It will grow. And Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, if that's not encouragement enough, we have three more parables, a bit shorter than the first. And if you doubt or question whether Jesus wants people to hear the gospel, then let's look at these three parables really quickly. We have the parable of the lamp, the parable of the growing seed, and the parable of the mustard seed. And the parable of the lamp, some of you have heard this before. No one brings a lamp in and hides it or covers it up. In the same way, when you're at home and you turn on the light, it's not as though the light just directs itself at one person in the room. No, when you turn on a light, it fills the room. And so in the same way, the gospel is for all. When the switch, the light switch of the gospel is turned on, it fills the room. It's not selective, it's not hidden. Instead, it's revealed. What is hidden is meant to be destroyed. What is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. And so the parables here do not conceal, but instead are a way that Jesus uses to reveal the secret of the kingdom. To reveal the gospel, to reveal the kingdom of God to those who want to hear. And so this is why Jesus says in verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. Because not everything you hear will lead to life. Colin's got a great song. Uh, he's taken a, got a great take on the song, Be Careful Little Eyes. Maybe you sung this when you were kids in Sunday school. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little feet where you go. But he, he takes a modern spin on it. Be careful little eyes what you see on the touchscreen, on the portable device, on your iPad, on your laptop. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear in the headphones, from your phone, from the news, from the people around you. Be careful what you hear. Be careful where you go. And I love this one, this, one, this modern take. Be careful where you go on the internet. Be careful where you place yourself when you go online, whether that's on social media, whether that's on websites, be careful 
where you go. Consider carefully what you hear, what you see, where you go. Because depending on those things will depend whether they take you to life or to death. Be careful what you hear. Because whatever measure you use, it will be measured to you. And whoever has even more, whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. What voices fill your world, your heart, your mind and your spirit? Do they feed the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things? Or do they feed the growth of the gospel in you? Be careful what you hear. The second parable is the parable of the growing seed. This parable, again, is not about the sower. The sower goes out and he sows the seed, and regardless of what he does, the seed will grow. The seed sprouts and it grows. Now, we live in a day and age where agricultural science understands a lot of this stuff. We can even create and simulate growing conditions for plants and crop. We understand these things. But see, here's the thing. We still can't make things grow. That's still out of our control. You can set the environment up. You can give it the perfect conditions. But you still can't make it grow. You can't tell what seed will germinate and grow. In science, that's still up to chance. But here we have this point that the seed is the word, the gospel. And it is not the efforts of people. It is not your effort. It's not my effort. It's not how smart you are. It's not how much you understand. It's not how old you are, not how young you are. It's not how much faith you have. It's not by our ability that faith and the gospel grows. It is God. God makes The seed germinates. God is the one who allows the gospel to take root in people's hearts and grow. You may be familiar with what God says to Isaiah. My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how accomplished you are. It doesn't matter how great your church is. It doesn't matter how great your preacher is. And it doesn't matter about any of these things, as good as they are. And yes, they will help you grow. But as Paul says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is grace. This is the gift of God. So that no man will boast in their efforts. The glory is given to God because He makes things grow. So it's not up to you, it's not up to anyone to make the gospel take root and grow. That's God's job. And we have the final parable, the parable of the mustard seed. The smallest of all the seeds on earth. 
And elsewhere, Jesus uses this to talk about personal faith. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you can ask them to move and it will move. But here Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. The mustard seed is a parable of the kingdom of God. This small seed will grow and it becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. And Jesus' point is a simple one. The gospel then and now may seem small in our eyes. It might seem small in your eyes. It might seem small in the eyes of the world. But this small seed grows to be a tree. A tree of life, if you will. Where hope and refuge can be found for all who come. And in Revelation we read that the tree, the leaves of the tree of life of the nations. And Jesus says there in Revelation, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So what do we do with all of this? I think the first question to ask is, do you have ears to hear? Do you have ears to hear the word the gospel, to hear from Jesus? Are you tuned into Him? Tuned into the right frequency that you hear His voice clearly, not distracted by the static and the thorns of life? Do you hear His voice? Now, like any farm or garden, a soil can be changed. It can be improved. Now, hard work is involved in doing that, but... Hard ground, hard soil can be made soft. Or even soft soil improved for certain crops or plants. And so this is not a once-off, the seed is sown and that's your only chance. Now you, the seed of the gospel is sown over and over again. Do you hear it though? Or are there things that are in the if the heart is hard, then we pray that God will soften it. If the soil is we seek to deepen it. If the soil is filled with thorns, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires of this world, then we seek to pull them out. Weeds are a horrible thing, by the way. This is one of my pet hobby horses, by the way. Weeds are a horrible thing. Because without extreme effort, they are it's painstaking to get rid of them. You can't just pull them out once because there's still seeds scattered in the soil. And for the disciple of Jesus, weeding out sin, it's not a once-off exercise. It is a constant exercise to get rid of the seeds, or the weeds that lie in our heart. Because if we're not careful, they will sprout up again and choke the gospel. And they will choke the life that is found in Jesus. But do you understand this? That it's not up to you. As you take responsibility, it is not up to you to make things grow. Prepare your heart to hear the gospel. Prepare yourself to hear the gospel Daily, weekly, 
constantly. But it is not up to you to make it grow. Now you can do good things to create an environment for that to grow. To be part of a life group, to be in accountability with other people, to be reading the Bible, to be praying, to do all of those things. You set the stage for growth. But you can't make it grow. Only God can. God's grace when He makes it grow. See, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. See, there's something that God needs to do. There's something that His Spirit needs to do in us to allow the gospel to take root and grow. But we need to tune ourselves in to the gospel frequency. We need to tune ourselves in. We need to prepare the soil. My mom speaks a silly number of languages. I've shared this with some of you before. She can be on one phone call and speak three different languages to one person. I don't understand it. I I don't understand it. Because I'm not tuned in to those languages. I don't understand them. And see, the thing about spiritual growth is that the Spirit needs to work in us to tune us into God, to tune us into the gospel so that we understand. So it's not about trying harder. It's not about knowing more. It's not even about being part of a great church or having a great pastor. It's about the Spirit of God working in you and through you to grow. What you can do, though, is ask. James tells us that if any of us lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. This gospel of grace and gift of hope, when it takes root, it bears fruit. But here's the amazing thing. That fruit is already embedded in the seed. Every seed can only bear fruit of its own kind. You can't plant an orange seed and expect a banana tree. It doesn't work. When the seeds of the gospel are sown, the fruit of that is the gospel. If it's not, then that wasn't the seed that was planted. So let the seed of the gospel take root in you, and then as it bears fruit, go and sow those seeds. Will you go and sow those seeds? Like the lamp that is put on a stand or the light that is turned on, it will fill the room. And it may be small like a mustard seed, but if you go and sow them, then at least they will grow. Or at least be given a chance. But if the seed is never sown, they will never have a chance to take root. So will you go and sow seeds into this world? Maybe it's your neighbors. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe it's at school. Maybe it's at home with the kids. Maybe it's the stranger that God says, go and speak to them. Or maybe for some, it's when we're allowed to, to go 
come with. We have international students that we can speak to. The opportunities are here on our doorstep. But it is God who will make it grow. I recently read a story about some farmers down in country New South Wales in Wee And they made a commitment as part of their business to give to ministry, to the kingdom of God, regardless of what their business is like. They sow generously. Last year, given the year that it was, they still gave away half dollars. But it's not about the amount. It's about the seed that you hold in the gospel. Will you go and sow them? But as you do that, remember it's not up to you. It's not up to you to bring the results. It's not your job to bring in the harvest. Your job is to go and sow those seeds. God is the one who will make them grow. God is the one who will make the gospel and faith grow in our children, in our friends, in our family, in our world. It's not up to us. Just go and we sow those seeds and trust that God will be at work, allowing the seeds of the gospel to germinate and take root and grow. And so are you tuned in to Jesus? Are you tuned in to the gospel and his word? Well, if not, what do you need to do? Because this isn't a secret that's kept for a select group of people. This is a secret that is meant to be revealed. And it's meant to be brought out into the open. And Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have spoken through your word and we ask that the seeds that have been sown might fall on good soil. But if it hasn't, we pray that you will help, that you will work. We pray that the thorns that choke the word might be removed. We pray where there is rocky soil that that would be overturned. We pray where Satan lingers to steal away the seeds of the gospel that he might be driven away in the name of Jesus. That the gospel might take root and it might germinate and grow, not by our efforts, but through your work and your grace to each one of us and to the people of this world. Help us as the fruit of the gospel comes to bear that we sow those seeds into our world and trust that you will take them and use them, that the gospel might bear fruit elsewhere. And so we pray that we might hear and that you might make it grow. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.